you know, people make fun and say that there's no such thing as American food, but there is. And yes, part of it's hamburgers. But the hamburger can be a beautiful thing. Here in Prague, we're very lucky to have Dean Selby and his wife, Lori Wyant, who are the owners and chef masterminds behind both the Tavern and Ukarelu. And for quite some time now, they've been bringing a little taste of America here to Prague. Not just burgers, but barbecue, brunches, and plenty else. Hello, Lori and Dean. Hi, hey, Derek. Derek. Thank you for talking to me today. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening to this episode of Prague Times. A city is much more than just a collection of buildings. It's a location, it's a history, it's a culture, it's ideas and ideals, and a city is also, most importantly, the people in it. This is Prague Times, the podcast that takes a look at the city of Prague in the Czech Republic. With more than a thousand years of history, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the past of Prague, but we'll also talk about the city as it is today, future plans for the city, and much more. It's Prague then, Prague now, and Prague later. And this is Prague Times. So now there are a lot of burger places in Prague. So many that one of our local food critics actually has a massive, I think it's 50 burgers, best burgers in the city list each year. But that has not always been the case. Uh, It used to be just McDonald's and then this kind of sad Czech version of of the hamburger. Uh, To my knowledge, Laurie and Dean, you guys were certainly, if not the pioneers, one of the early burger purveyors in the city. Before you even got a space, you guys were doing pop-ups in pubs and things like that. Yep, that's true. We started in 2010. Um, a friend of ours was the, one of the organizers of the original farmer's market, Daniel Morek. He's known Dean forever. And he contacted Dean and said, uh, we'd like to do something a little more interesting food-wise than the, the potaki and uh, the, just the, the normal stuff you can get on the street. Dean was working in IT at the time. And, uh, but he's been a chef since he was 16 or a cook and chef since he was 16. So he went back to that and got inspired to create what he thought was the perfect hamburger, which was our original local burger. I remember that burger. I remember thinking, I think I said to you the first time I tried it at, I don't remember where it was, Bukowski's maybe. I said, this is the perfect mixture between an in and out burger and a mom burger. I do remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that was a pop-up we did at, at Bukowski's. I, yeah, we did a few of those as well. And then other street food type events like the bicycle and bells things and uh, the dragon boat races down by the river. So we had a little tent and, and a grill and, and the two of us would go out and we'd do spinach burgers and local burgers. And I'd make some desserts and some, some drinks and stuff. But that was how we pulled started. Pulled pork too. Yeah, pulled pork. You know, the burger thing was kicking off like really strongly in New York City and stuff like in that London. in London. And I, and I think that's why it was this this forward momentum with the burgers at the time in Prague. But our idea was to get a food truck because that was also just raging like in Los Angeles. Mm. Nobody was doing it here. And then we thought we needed 
uh, space to do the food truck, you know, get a commercial kitchen. That's when we started to look for a space. And that's how we finally landed on the tavern space, thinking we would just sell some beers and use the kitchen to, to supply the food truck. And then uh, it just, you know, hit so hard. It was so busy. We never got a food truck. So <laughs> you just, you just didn't. Plus, good luck finding parking over there, right? Yeah. 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 We're actually <laughs> yeah. glad the food truck thing kind of started here, but then it was difficult with the city getting permits and stuff. It's not like America where you park everywhere and there's a lot of red tape here. But the tavern, I mean, the tavern is small. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And we, we originally <laughs> thought it was maybe too small because you want about 60 seats in general. And it, when there we get 35, maybe. With the bar, with the maybe bar. 28, 30. But we love we loved the space so much. Um, we knew the space for years. I used to go to that space when it was a communist Vinarna, right after communism. Really? <laughs> Yeah, it was called um, Ukashparku, and uh, it was just a, a little dive wine bar, smoky little wine bar. And then it became, I think the Rossini took it after that, and then uh, the Borushka, the the and then the, the Chopin was, was the last incarnation. But we went to all those, and we always loved that space. And so even though we thought it was going to be too small, we decided to go for it because it's just so charming, and it's really awesome to be on the park yeah for sure i mean that's kind of that's kind of awesome that you guys are like we've been hanging out here no matter who owns it for years yeah we both lived really close by since the 90s i lived right down by the gas station and Lori lived on kubelikova Labova. It's really interesting that it i don't know if it was how awesome your burgers were or if Checks were just ready to try a burger that was a McDonald's burger. I don't know why exactly it, it hit when it did, but boy, did it take off. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I just have to say, I mean, you know, I had three years experience from the age of 15 working at McDonald's and a lot, you know, all of the sizes of the burger and everything is kind of based off a quarter pounder at McDonald's company, despite you know, the negative press it gets for its, its uh, healthy foods. Uh, but, you know, I think it was the first time we just used, you know, hundred percent Chuck beef quality, uh, really, you know, different style of buns, uh, you know, with the butter and eggs and milk and stuff like that. That's, Not a brioche, but that's Dean's recipe. So butter buns, really high quality cheese and then a unique sauce. So everything it hit all these little different like things, but it's just at the end of the day, it's like the bun and the beef. Yeah, sure. That's, that's the essence. Uh, a lot of Czechs at that point had traveled to the U S and to the UK and had really good burgers and they were so excited to finally get something different and of that quality quality in Prague. So we had a lot of people come to us and, and they were so excited just to be able to have the same type of, of uh, American style burgers that were going, that were selling well in the States. Mm. So that was, that was great. And then other people were just excited to try something American, really authentic and American, not just a concoction of, you know, what people were guessing to be American. Like we really based it on our memories of our favorite burgers growing up and stuff. Yeah. You know, that's a, the, now we can get proper Mexican food here, but Czech Mex, as we used to call it way back when, I always used to joke and say, I feel like somebody saw a picture of Mexican food, but they'd never tried it. And then they thought they'd try it with local ingredients. And it was just, you were like, no, kidney beans? No, dude, not in a burrito. I got some nachos once in Carlo Vivari back in the 90s, and they served it with whipped cream <laughs> instead of salt cream. <laughs> That is fantastic. No kidding. And there's there's this funny like arrogance about 
them doing the food, you know, I mean, it would be atrocious for me to open a Czech restaurant in the United States and just change all the ingredients and get really arrogant about it. You know, that whole, there's a joke like, why does my hamburger come covered in corn? Because that's the real burger from America. <laughs> but yeah, we did try with the tavern also not, it wasn't just about the burgers. Um, we tried to make it a really fun vibe as well with music and the cocktails and the service. So it was totally different. We didn't make our waiters wear little outfits or little t-shirts from beer companies. They could wear whatever they want. And mm. we had a very casual service approach that was friendly. And also with the music, you know, we didn't want to play some canned radio stuff. So we have all original sound soundtracks that we put together. Lori. <laughs> that I put together. And, uh, and so the combination with the service and the food and the cocktails, all of our cocktails are, are fresh, juice-based. And we try to like harken back to some American classics as well. And then really good draft Czech beer. Mm. Uh, those were the things that we thought of to make a combination of a space that could be appealing to a pretty broad crowd. Right. So it feels, it feels familiar enough for people who know this kind of thing, for example, Americans. And it is something interesting and new for people who this is the first time they've ever encountered it. Yeah. And again, I think the service, especially checks weren't used to uh, just nice, friendly people at that point there. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't exist anywhere, but just sort of the casual friendly thing wasn't done a lot here. It was more people who'd gone to waiter school who were very formal. Yeah, very formal. And people who, like us, who come from a culture of very hands-on, because it's tip-based service, the kind of Austrian style of that standoffish style, which Czechs and like in Vienna, they have the same attitude towards service. Like, no, that's professional service. Leave the people alone. They're not here to hang out with you. They're here to have coffee and talk to each other and have cake and burgers and what have you. So it's a, it's a different kind of a culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was hard, you know, I mean, there's my friend Ryan brought his Czech wife back to Seattle and, you know, they were in a restaurant and chatting with the waitress and then the waitress goes away and the wife was very concerned that, how do you know this woman? So familiar with you. But then I think the, the final thing I, that we felt strongly about with the tavern and also Ucarelu is, you know, we've both lived in this neighborhood since the 90s and we never even considered going to Prague One and opening something or anywhere else because we wanted to see our customers again and again. We wanted people from the neighborhood to come. We obviously want people from all over the city to come, but um, what we really enjoy was the the people we met, like, you know, for instance, Rob Cameron and his family and, uh, and others. It's great for us to be able to walk in and always, almost always see a familiar face. Right. So that's something that's very important to us. And that, that would check the box with the tavern because we live very close by. Yeah. But now over the last 10, it's been 10 years now since the tavern, uh, 12 with the food stands and everything. But I mean, there are talking dozens of people we've known for so long, just three hamburgers. It's really lovely. Hamburgers bringing the world together. That's kind of nice. I like the idea that it, it was um, it was sort of designed to be a place to attract regulars. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we did it. We we saw very we were very very much like uh, a point of decision um, not to hire actually other foreigners like Americans at the time. Now it's totally changed um, because we didn't want it to become quote unquote an expat place. Yeah. Right. We really wanted it to be you know focus check focused with Czech, Czech regulars. Um, you know, we didn't want the Czechs to feel that they, that we were just an American bar, you know. Right, you're not, you're not colonials. Yeah, exactly. So all of our waiters are, you know, speak fluent Czech and English. 
instead of, you know, in Berlin, we go to places there where you'd walk in and they didn't speak any German. And we always found that very off-putting and kind of insulting to the culture, you know. Mm. So all of our staff is in the front of the house is, is bilingual and uh, they make, you know, everybody comfortable in that respect. So after the success of the tavern, you guys decided to go for another place, which became Ukarelu. And this was like, this was a traditional locals pub before you guys took it over. And they weren't so keen on the Americans coming in and changing things up. No, in this case, it was not the same uh, <laughs> warm welcome in the, in the neighborhood for that. It had been a... Uh, Switched in the 90s after after the revolution uh, from Uposhti back to Ukurelu. Ukurelu has been there for 115 years, that pub. It was built right. by Ukurel, the great-great-great-great-grandfather, uh, who had apparently put the pub there um, and said, all of my children will always have work. So that was that's at least the myth behind behind why he put the pub in the building that he built. But we had gone to that pub, Lori had gone to that pub like in the 90s as well. Um, they had the first, they were the first guys, these Stakowski brothers, they had several pubs in Prague. They still have some pubs in Prague, but they invented the Noje Bez, like the topless girl night. No, that's them? Maybe, you know, okay, it's probably in Amsterdam or something, but they did it first in Prague and it was, it was a phenomenon. It was like the rock star uh, place. Apparently, you know, soldiers would be, you know, all the soldiers that had to go through their, their, their service. Uh, they're piled out on the street, peeking in to see the boobies. And you know, you guys should put up a plaque. Well, yeah. <laughs> we still actually get emails sometimes asking uh, who's going to be on for Topless Waitress Night. <laughs> There's still, uh, still a bit of a following. Yeah, I, I say it's me, and I send them a picture of me, and then we never <laughs> hear from them again. Because it was my local. I lived uh, three doors down on Kubelikova back in, from 1995 90, to, like, 99. And I took my jug in there to get a beer one night, and there was a lady with no shirt on behind the bar. <laughs> I just thought, well. But so anyway, by the time we took it over, it was kind of having tough times. It was uh, on its way down. You know, there was just like, you know, one solo man at each table smoking uh, cigarettes, watching sports. So we, have, we actually tried to buy it like several years before, and we went into negotiations with them, and some things changed. Uh, then the opportunity came up again. So we, we, yeah. we took it over, and what we wanted to do was, it was rebuild that Czech Hospoda pub. Same reasons that we did like the tavern as a community place for locals, for Czech people especially. But modernize it in a sense, design it in a sense, but not do what we call, we call it the bric-a-brac. It's all that swag that Gambrinus and Pilsner gives all these pubs. Yeah. All, all those fake things, all those little, we call them table dongs. Those things that sit on the table telling you that this Burrell special and blah, blah, blah. We didn't want anything to do with that. We wanted to go back before that mass advertising was part of this pub life, you know. We removed the sports. We put kind of cool, you know, as you see the design, uh, reopened it back up. Um, we kept the Gambrinus at the same price as the previous owners, not to upset people. However, we made it non-smoking. So that brought us, I think, a few rocks through our windows. This was, yeah, this the... was before the mandatory <laughs> non-smoking. This yeah. was 2014. Well, Tavern had already been non-smoking. We did that too, and that was, that was what it was. Um, but this was a big deal. This yeah. was a Zizhkov pub, and it was non-smoking, and people were, they were pretty, they were they happy. didn't understand it. But then a lot of people were happy. So uh, it was just, a, it was reinventing the space. It was reintroducing the space as 
an updated version and it took some time to kind of get there but you know we love the vibe there and we think it's got it's got so much oh beautiful charm and character it was i was always a pub for 115 years it's so special to us and we feel honored to be involved in it and a part of it we hope that people really enjoy it and it's one of the last big pubs like that you know with the big windows and the ceilings that are in a, in a neighborhood yeah. as you see the pub culture is i don't know if it's dying but it's now more of a cafe culture in prague wine there's a lot of wine, wine and coffee the younger generation yeah. won't want to go to a pub anymore kind of and drink beer all day all day yes. <laughs> these places are flipping and flipping and flipping or you have another version of, of the pub like the locale which is an excellent like another reading of it super clean great great food original you know check 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 food um and that's another replacement for these older kind of places where so we just didn't want to lose all the character and strip it of its uh its spirit so has it worked i mean do you do you notice Czechs who live in the area coming in and coming back oh yeah definitely people you know it's a great place because it's so big it's a great place for uh, big groups of people to celebrate weddings and parties and birthdays and, and celebrations. And, and we've had a lot of people who come, they have a special date that they come every year and they write us and they say, we're coming back. So it is great. It's a lovely place for people to have, uh, to get together with their, their friends and, and celebrate stuff. Normally Christmas is a big time for the parties. And Thanksgiving is huge too. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of the things that you guys are doing, because like you said, you've kind of kind of brought back that pre-mid to late 20th century advertising blitz thing that happened, uh, not just in Czech pubs, but I mean, we see this in the United States, we see it uh, in Britain, we see it everywhere, this kind of corporatization almost of pub life. And before that, pubs were unique individual places. So you guys are kind of bringing that back, but you're doing it with instead of the traditional Czech food, it's, it's kind of American food. And you guys have done this. I know you do Thanksgiving each year. You do Christmas, as you mentioned, uh, you do all of these sort of, you mark these American holidays. What was the idea of that? Is it kind of an educative kind of an idea? Is it a, Hey, Americans who live here, gosh, are you at loose ends today would you like to come someplace and have some turkey like what was the impetus behind that oh i just think it was a natural thing for us to do as, as americans is, is to have thanksgiving you know there's a lot of places that offer it and and we have the giant smoker we can do amazing food and this also is a is so anyway to answer your question it's a business decision you know that's that mm-hmm. is also it's a hard decision like yeah we miss Thanksgiving. We're not with our families. Um, and for us, it's very lovely to see people come and, and be able to celebrate their time together and enjoy what, you know, we try to make really awesome food for Thanksgiving so that if the, you know, for other people who live here who can't be with their families or whose families are here, we just want them to be able to uh, kind of remember some traditional Thanksgivings of the past and Thanksgiving such a perfect holiday because it includes everybody. You know, it's mm. not a religious thing. It's, it's more of a friends and family thing. So that for us is really fun to be able to kind of provide. And the space, you know, the ukulele space is so big that a lot of people are, are able to come. And we usually do three seatings. And we really 
understood it after the first couple of Thanksgivings. They are very popular with Czechs. This is just not oh, Americans. Yeah. Well, well over half or more are Czech people that are coming because the food is excellent, but also it's very similar to Czech food. You have mm. some type of roasted something and you have some gravy and you have mashed potatoes. You have stuffing, which is the Nadivka. You touch all the same bases as, as a great Czech meal would be. So, so there is, a, and the cranberry sauce, very similar to what they put on the Svichkova. So it's all these little like, like crossovers. So it's neat. They really enjoy it. So, and they, and they enjoy getting together for the family meal. And You guys were also some of the first people to really start doing what some people think is the truly American original cuisine, which is barbecue. Yeah, so we got into that. Well, we wanted to do more of a barbecue joint at Ukurelu, so we needed a big smoker. And we it was so expensive to import one at the time. Uh, and I found one on a barbecue farm in Germany that this man was building. And I reached out to him. And six months later, we were going to... Holland uh, to pick up the smoker. It weighs 350 kilos. It's about, it's about two meters high. Uh, can fit 35 kilos of pork in it, pork uh, shoulder. Um, and in the process, the guy was like, "Well, why don't you just uh, why don't you just join the barbecue contest?" It was one of those American barbecue contests sanctioned by KCBS, Kansas City Barbecue Society. Huh. Uh, so we joined that. Just taught ourselves real fast how to do it. It's really crazy. You got to do chicken and ribs and pork and brisket all in one night, and then submit everything the all next in, day. You cook overnight and then submit it the next morning. It's crazy. But we got into it and we did it for two years. We kind of got like the bug, you know, and we were competing all over Europe. Uh, we, we're, we flew to Italy and competed. And then finally, because we were the top Czech team, that means we're the only Czech team. Literally, uh, we, we were the we, only Czech team. We were uh, invited <laughs> to go to uh, Lynchburg, Tennessee for the Jack Daniels, the biggest, craziest uh, barbecue contest. Because they always invite the top team of each European country to go and com uh, compete for the European title. Uh, we did quite well internationally anyway. We won the, the port category. And we won the best points overall. For, for the, yeah, for international. Um, the American, competing with Americans is a little, little bit, big, big, big league, small league kind of thing. We had a great time and we learned so much. So then, yeah, our barbecue style is incredibly like spot on with the smoker and the rubs and, and stuff like that. But it is time consuming. And it was for us, I think, uh, the similar problem, you know, uh, that they've had in other places is to get the cuts of meat here in Europe that we can get in the United States. You know, yeah. ribs with meat on them. They prize the belly here, so they cut the belly off right down to the bone. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I wonder how the Czechs react to it because I know there's you guys. I I, I know Silva Jackson over at uh, Big Smokers. Uh, you guys, I know you guys uh, are good friends with Bad Jeff, who started the first real barbecue barbecue place. That's like that's just all he does is barbecue. Czechs, of course, eat ribs, but they bake them. Yes. Yeah, it's baked. Or, I, think, uh, I love baked ribs. I think they're delicious, but you don't get that smoky element that really takes it to another level. And we also, uh, Dean and I were judges for the KCBS competitions, and we learned so much about what the perfect rib is supposed to be. It's not supposed to just mush off the bone. There's supposed to be a little bit of pull, just a little mm. bit of time. Yeah, you, you're not supposed to put it in your mouth and suck off, suck the bone out. It has to. You have to pull it off with your teeth. Just a bit. So. 
you know, little things we learned going through. And to, uh, to achieve that is much more difficult than, than sticking think. it in the oven and baking it. So you got about a 15-minute window before it goes one way or the other. So, mm. But we didn't want to compromise what we learned and what we really thought was the best, the best ribs that we'd ever had. Um, and then we knew how to cook, but we didn't want to compromise it. And it's a very time-consuming process to make that happen yeah. all the time. And that's, you know, hats off to Sylvie down there. And yeah, Tom Osh, we, we know Sylvie them, too. we're friends with them. And I know they have the same situation. You know, they don't really do brisket because it's very hard. The European brisket. It's, yeah, it's not, not fatty brisket. enough, she says. It's not fatty enough. And then one more thing really quick. If American barbecue is, was brought by Czech and German immigrants to the Texas area and, and stuff like that. So that's mm-hmm. very, um, that's how they were cooking it, learning techniques from, from this region, but they just tweaked it. They used beef instead of pork, um, came up with their spices and stuff like that. And all those famous barbecue joints like uh, uh, in Texas and stuff are still owned by this, like these families of these immigrants, Germans and stuff, Czechs. So bringing it back is different because then they are, like you said, they, they do the bake thing or they have the uzena. They just cold smoke it. Yeah, I like the, the traditional Czech way of doing things, but, uh, you know, I'm an American and uh, I love barbecue. I could eat it three times a week. Yeah, yeah, we really do too. And it's just, it, it's, it's a labor of love. I mean, yeah, it's such an awesome thing to barbecue something or like to, the brisket is the hardest thing probably to master. And, but boy, something, it's such, it's, I don't know, it's such a crazy quest. Yeah. It's a 14-hour quest to see if you did it right. <laughs> That's not even talking about the prep uh, and maybe brining and stuff like that, you know. So, And then after 14 hours, you can see if it worked or not. But we still do the Sticky D's. That was our competition team name, Sticky D's Barbecue. Um, we still do Sticky D's nights from time to time at Ucarello, and we really love them. We love, you know, making the sides and making the stuff and, and smoking and the whole thing. It's 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 really fun, actually. Yeah. yeah. You know, we think as well, uh, Boho, uh, he had uh, Mosaica up here in Prague, too. And now he has Cristal and he has Bob's Barbecue down in Carlene, you know. So he's, he's throwing some love at it, too. Yeah, he's really, I think he went to Texas and studied Yeah, he did it. some studying in Texas. And, stuff. and then, you know, the other, other guys, Isaac down at Dirty Dog Barbecue out of Manifesto, you know, he's also... Yeah. He's probably like the hardest working man in barbecue right now because he's outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Braving all weathers. But it's good. I mean, he's got we a great have... smoker from Yoda or Yoda and he's doing it. A lot of good representation here, I think, for authentic barbecue. You can definitely find it. And, and of course, Jeff. And um, so, yeah, it's great to uh, great to have it when you uh, when you want it. And then for your brunches, you've added in lemon pound cake. You've added in what I think is a great chicken and waffles. Thank, Thank you. you. We had them at the tavern years ago. We started there. But it's a lot of that is uh, the brunches, especially. That's me kind of hearkening back, you know, for Kentucky food that I was never able to get here. So we worked really hard on the biscuit recipe to like, I don't know quite how to explain this, but we think that our biscuits are a lot better than the biscuits we get when we go to Kentucky now. Ooh, do <laughs> not let the Chamber of Commerce hear you. No, no, no. But it's uh, it's one of those things where we're, I'm working off a memory based on what I remember being the most amazing food in the world that I wasn't able to get here for a long time. And so when Dean and I develop something, we want to make it the most amazing that we can, like the very, very, very best. But then we go back to the States and we eat something there and we're like, oh, well, did, <laughs> did we remember this differently? I don't think that when we were growing up, things were made so much from packaging. Yes, packages. Yeah. This is the thing. Back in our day, it was all from scratch. What we're doing is all from scratch. 
Yeah. And then you go back and people are buying, now, buying mixes and mixing them with yeah. water and it's just, you, you can taste it. It's just yeah. different now. So we're, what we're doing is we're trying to recreate a memory and all that, you know, that we can do to make it the best possible stuff, you know, the biscuits and the gravy and the fried chicken, as Dean was, was saying, that was a, we each gained about, I don't know, kilos and kilos yeah. trying to test that because we wanted it to be insane. The whole point, Laurie said, if it's not if it's not as good or better than KFC, then then we're not doing it. Yeah. And it does and take, it does take quite a while to do the stuff, the brining, you know, twenty four hours, and then you got to different oils, different breadings, you know. So that's another thing. To do these yeah, tests. we it tested takes, a million breadings weeks. and different ingredients until we found what we thought was really, really, really good. Mm. So I think you know we're very proud of our fried chicken, and I am a Kentucky. Well, that chicken sandwich is that's usually my go-to. Oh, okay, great. thanks. Thank you. Ours too, actually. actually. We eat a lot of those. Yeah, it's good. But, you know, on the chicken and waffles topic, your waffles, because waffles got to stand up to the chicken, to the syrup, to all the rest of it. And the waffles are, I think, top rate. Thank you. Thank you. Again, that was just a lot of tests. I think when I first uh, started to do the tests, we just I just broke out all the cookbooks. You know, I have old, old, like, Joy of Cooking cookbooks, Fanny Farmer cookbooks. And then I get an Excel sheet and I throw recipes all on these like little Excel sheets and I compare the amounts of everything and then I start doing them and tweaking and, and then, you know, adding some things here or there uh, and just you find something that works and also works with, with, with your type of waffle maker that we have. We have a right. Yeah, we got, we got a really... Called uh, the Americano, so it's yeah. American size and American shape. Because we couldn't know. find what we wanted in the Czech Republic, but we did in Germany. So. Yeah. Now, of course, here we are in 2020. Thanksgiving is coming right up. What we're doing is we're just trying to pivot and, and adjust and, and move forward with the situation at hand as best we can. With Thanksgiving, we're, we're going to try to figure out a way to do some takeaway pre-order and not let that die just because people can't come and eat together. They would pre-order it and then come and pick it up at certain times. Uh, so we're, right. we're working on that. Again, this is you know sort of dependent on everything that happens. How much are you also going to do it for delivery or is that just going to tax your kitchen too much we'll probably be uh booked for the pre-orders is what mm. i'm guessing yeah and we then, can't do it on bolts is that what you mean yeah or or whatever your own delivery system no it's such, you know we have to do pre-order you know to do the whole brining of the turkey and everything it's such a long tail thing that i have to we have to buy this the product uh prepare it and sell all of it you know because there's no opportunity to to sell it the next day you know like for instance the hamburgers if we keep selling hamburgers right uh, so we would probably just have yeah people come and pick it up uh and we don't have a local we don't have our own delivery service or anybody that's delivering yet around town we've thought about it but we talked to other people that have tried it already and if you're, you're too small it, it's kind of you have to be consistent with these new ideas otherwise if you're not then people get like kind of frustrated with you and then they don't return so you kind of hurt yourself um, yeah that's that's true you can't, you can't deliver but we do have some other cool stuff that we're we're uh sort of kicking around uh one of our chefs is from india and he used to work in five-star hotels and he's amazing his food is so good you know he's working in a burger joint now but he's uh he's great and he is really interested in doing some um work with us doing like a special pally night and uh we'll do that you know for for again it'll be like a special pre-order kind of pickup thing and uh it's going to be super fun. 
So we're going to try to go think outside the box a little bit in the coming weeks or months, whatever we have to do. We still want to try to be creative and, and supply the community with some, some really good food, you know, as special events here and there. Maybe we'll do sticky teas. That's what's great about being in a neighborhood as well. Uh, yeah. You see it see what situation you're in in Prague 1, um, there's not a lot of people around that would walk over and get a bag of food. Um, but here is neighborhood, people know each other, and people make a really, we do the same, I'm sure you do the same, you make a concerted effort to go and, and go out and get takeaway from your neighborhood places. Right before we got shut down, uh, we, we had been working on a sort of a different angle, which is interesting for us because we we're, you know, very carnivore based. But this vegan comfort food thing started getting interesting for us last year. We were in Brooklyn and we visited a couple places that were like these hip hop, you know, happening vegan comfort food places. And we're like, what's this all about? And so we tried some interesting stuff and came back and thought, you know, it's such a such a strong movement right now. And so many people are talking about it. They're excited about it. What if we try to make some food that's just as good as our meat food? Try to develop stuff that is exactly as delicious. You know, fried chicken, vegan fried chicken poppers, uh, vegan chili cheese fries. So Dean got busy and he made a bunch of tests with, uh, with cheese and developed this great cashew cheese that's just amazing. Mm. And started doing some vegan mac and cheese tests that were fantastic. And all these different things we just got very excited about because... People would come in and try them. We do we do them as specials at Ukarelu, and people would come in and try them and get like they're like that's just as good as the meat stuff. We began developing that this summer, and we just released our our short list vegan comfort food menu um, with the magic mushroom burger and the the psychedelic uh, quesadilla mushroom quesadilla. It was selling well, and then of course you know we had to shut. Oh, we didn't put anything on Walt. We just kept it the same. But we got a lot of emails and and messages from people who were asking if we could put some that up. So we transferred that short menu that we launched in the summer onto our Walt menu and it is selling like hotcakes. People love it and they're excited about it and we're excited about it because it offers something different. Yeah, that's true. And then, like you said, the vegan thing has taken off. Uh, there was an article la at the end of last summer or beginning of last autumn that said per capita, Prague had more vegan and vegan friendly restaurants than Berlin. Wow, that's because Berlin's very vegany. And you know, this is astonishing for a city that Anthony Bourdain once called Porkopolis. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But it's good. We're we're excited about it. It stretches us in a bit of a different direction, and it allows it allows us to you know experiment and be creative and and offer something to to a whole other group of people. And can I assume that you're actually using salt? Because I got to be honest, I've given some vegan things a try people i know who are vegetarians or vegans say oh no but okay but let's try this one and i try it and i'm just like what is wrong with salt it's a rock we're, we're fine right. with salt oh, we're, i'm a friend of salt it's gooey and delicious and salty and yummy we're not doing the go. like fancy pants vegan stuff we're doing like down and dirty vegan comfort food i would say this is very similar to our brunch you know so when we did develop the brunch what you saw in Prague was like a little pastry like these little dainty things yes that's a euro brunch i want you to eat that brunch and go home and lay down for a while <laughs> That is, that is exactly what my wife and I did last weekend. We uh, we had your chicken and waffles and a couple of other things delivered, and uh, we ate them. And then a few hours later, we were like, "Should we just get the chicken and waffles again?" <laughs> 
That's great. Well, we're doing it. We're doing delivery every weekend till eight o'clock, Saturday and Sunday, chicken and waffles, all the stuff. So everyone is struggling to cope with the restrictions that need to be put in place in order to try and prevent the spread of COVID-19. Innovation in the menus, innovation in delivery, and even walk-up windows. These are all things that are certainly helping a lot of businesses. And of course, when the times are normal, having an atmosphere that is friendly and welcoming and a place that you'd like to return to is also a key to success in the restaurant business. But really, when it comes down to it, it comes down to the food. And I think, Lori and Dean, you guys have uh, have nailed that one. And I'm so pleased that you continue to experiment and innovate. Like, you're, you you're never sit on your laurels, right, and say, well, we figured out this one. Well, we get bored, so we want to do something new. <laughs> Not <laughs> yet. My laurels aren't big enough to sit on yet, Derek. <laughs> All right. Well, I'd like to thank Lori... Wyant and Dean Selby, owners and masterminds behind both the Tavern and Ukarelu, uh, two Americans who are long-term residents of Prague and who have been instrumental in changing the food scene here, in my opinion, for the better. So thank you for talking to me today, folks. Thank you, Derek. Thanks, Derek. All right. And uh, don't forget, everybody, check the description of the episode for links to the Tavern, Ukarelu, and other places that were mentioned in this episode. To all the Americans out there, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to this episode of Prague Times. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it or share it and tell your friends. Check us out on all of our social media platforms for extra goodies as well. Until next time, this has been Prague Times. <laughs>